0: You're listening to the Companion Gun Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Geyer, and with me today is a very, very special guest. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Shirey is here. It's been a long time. How are you, Emily?
1: I'm good, Grayson. I've been busy. How are you? I know you have. I know all about it.
0: We all I think we all have. It's been uh it's been a very uh busy yet prosperous year in to some degree. I mean, as far as dog training can ever be pos- prosperous, but it's it's good. Things are cruising right along and uh you know, we had the gift of COVID, and and ever since then, it seems to have not slowed down a touch. So, I'm grateful for that, and uh, and still just as always, trying to figure out how I'm going to parlay that into <laughs> <laughs> into <laughs> making a living doing this job. I've been trying to make a living doing for my whole life. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, any news to share? I guess in in regards to your business, things you've been doing. I know you've been picking up some titles along the way, and
1: um. No too much things are still cruising along as normal i've got bird dogs in for um now my second class of the season and we i've had some really nice bird dogs so far um so no i don't think i have any more obedience dogs scheduled until the spring so we're in full bird dog mode
0: that's a good feeling
1: um and no upcoming hunt tests or anything kind of yeah. in our off season
0: yeah, kind of out of that hunt test season. I'm, i that's out of my head right now, and I'm grateful for that. You know, and not thinking of any, uh, any ambitions in terms of that stuff. And usually this is my field trial season, and this year I just kind of have, have backed it way down. We're gonna do the Saint Hubert trial, which I guess I do need to give you guys an update on. So if you registered for the Saint Hubert trial and you got your email. Uh, from Three Rivers Land Trust that said they were bowing out, and uh, you were going to get refunded, and they got you got your refund. Yeah, hopefully all of you have checked your accounts, and uh, and got your refund. The Bird Dog Society website registration is live; it has been for a couple of weeks now. So please go back and and re-register. We still want you there. We're going to be at Cooper Black February third and fourth, um, and uh, and again that registration is up and live. Uh, and we've, we've only, we hadn't had everybody that was registered, re register That was definitely a hitch in the old giddy up, but it's, we got a lot of fun stuff planned and we're, we're driving on with it. So, uh, if anybody's got any questions, you know, look up the bird dog society, the registration will be available through their homepage. Uh, And uh, and ask any questions there. It's all pretty self-explanatory. And uh, again, you know, we're we're there for conservation, fellowship, uh, sportsmanship, and and all those good things. So, uh, and and a big party. So please, again, uh, give that a look. Come see us. We're gonna have a big time. Let's see what else is on the agenda. I've had I my I actually have duck hunted a lot more this season than I have in the past. A lot of that has to do, I think, with me slowing down on my field trialing and hunt Mm -hmm. testing and worrying about that. And when I say a lot more, I mean like three or four times in the second Which is a lot more for you. Yeah. And I mean, sneaking away when I get the opportunity uh, from the kennel, a couple of early just wood duck shoots on the farm went really well. First day opening split, I went out on some public. I really worked hard to like find one little hole out in the middle of nowhere and sneak in on it. And it was Um, it was as bountiful as I was hoping. There were wood ducks everywhere, and that was really cool. And then, uh, and then one trip off to a client's place that's full of awesome duck hunting and had a great teal shoot there. So, fun season. Looking forward to that. Opens back up in North Carolina December 19th. And then we're just short of two weeks away from the woodcock opener. And that is going to be wild for me this year. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully I'll be
1: Saw your schedule. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Hopefully I'll
0: be as excited about it at the end of the season (laughs) as I am going into it. But um uh, you know, it'll be fun. And I'm I'm excited to share that passion with uh with folks um, you know, that that are learning that game as well. So but you know, I've I've rattled on long enough, and I guess I do need to make uh, I do have one obligatory plug I must make. I've got, as you guys know, a sponsor now, and that's Ugly Dog Hunting, and it's it's really interesting that I did pick up a sponsor, kind of uh, leading up to the episode we're about to have because I've always been so deeply against it, <laughs> uh, but I I, I firmly stand with Mike, uh, and, and Mike Nadusky at ugly dog hunting. And you guys have, you know, heard, if you hadn't heard the episode I did with Mike, listen to it and you'll know why he's my sponsor and why I'm with him and why I'm going to continue to support him and, and look forward to, uh, watching all the great things he does with that business moving forward. But please, uh, if you have any retail needs in the, in your, your gear, Requirements for working your dogs, uh, let Ugly Dog Hunting be uh, your first stop. That's UglyDogHunting.com. And beyond that, guys, we're here to talk about the the biggest uh, hiccup of the season in terms of my kennel. (laughs) And that has been the Victor recall debacle. Um, For those that don't know, I guess November's been a really tough month for Victor, uh, I've been feeding it for a few years now. I think Emily, about the time Emily came on board, I was really looking for a good kibble and, uh, and started looking to her to kind of give me some suggestions and that's what we came up with. So I've been feeding it for what, four years now, three, yep. four, mm-hmm. and I, I love it. And it's been the best, you know, it's been a wonderful uh, advantage to me as uh, the proprietor of a uh, a gun dog kennel that requires a lot of maintenance and cleaning, keeping the dogs sanitary and healthy and and fit th- during the time here. And and I have zero affiliation professionally or personally with Victor, but I've I've always kind of pushed them here because I believe in the product. It's been ev- from a consistency standpoint, I've been feeding Victor High Pro Plus, which is their thirty twenty kind of performance blend. Uh, and it's a beef base. And from a cleanup perspective, like th- that would be priority number two for me, right? The health and well-being of the dogs in the kennel always has to come first. But I, I can I, I unequivocally say that the, the hours I save cleaning up Victor high pro plus turds (laughs) is makes it absolutely worth feeding that food. So if, you know, the consistently the dogs come in and rarely, rarely have I had a dog that doesn't transition easily and then have uh, a kind of good GI, um, kind of dealings with the Victor. So, uh, I, I, Am really bummed that they're not on the shelf because it has not been so great. Uh, cleaning up and feeding the dogs, especially in the winter here, when we have these cold nights, and you're trying to keep weight on them. Some dogs have a tendency to start losing weight during this time of year, and so you kind of have to up the up the amount of food you're giving them, and that's always that always turns into a mess when you're not dealing with a food that that you know, that they handle as well as the victor. So um, I'll get into that a little bit more. And I, want, I really, at this point, it's a good time to turn it over to Emily just to talk general dog food stuff and maybe any of her experiences with the victor, because I know she's been feeding that as well for the kibble.
1: Okay. So today I am going to talk about kibble. Um, so to start off with, disclaimer, I'm not a vet or a nutritionist. I am just someone who is uh, pretty passionate about dog food. Um, I started that in college. I was an animal science major and found my nutrition courses to be particularly interesting. I, my whole goal in life is to give my dogs the healthiest, happiest life I can. And part of that for me is making sure that they have the best quality nutrition I can provide them. So again, I am not a vet or a nutritionist which means I have really nothing to gain from this. I have no skin in this game, so I have no product or service to sell. (laughs) So you can um, take this as my unbiased information of essentially what I think is best for my dogs. I do all this research specifically for me to provide the best for my dogs. And so all I'm doing in this podcast is sharing the information that I know Um, in order to help people who may have similar interests. So I know there are going to be a lot of um, bird dog people who will comment on this and say, my grandpa has been feeding Pro Plan for 10,000 years and all the dogs have lived long, happy, healthy lives, and that is great. And if that's what you want to feed because that's what your grandpa fed, you know, everyone's entitled to make their own decisions. But I personally want to go beyond that and understand why I'm feeding things how I can get the most out of it. And therefore, I'm doing a lot of my own research and coming to a lot of my own conclusions. And so I would like to think of this podcast as kind of a jumpstart or an outline for people who want to do the same, for people who want to do their own research and go beyond, well, my vet said to feed this or my neighbor said to feed this or my grandpa said to feed this. Yeah,
0: whatever (laughs) grandpa says
1: sticks normally.
0: (laughs) And before you get rolling on it, I just, I got to make a little bit of a, a... a uh, observation regarding like I've never seen anything blow up on my social the way <laughs> my little post about Victor did. Like something about dog food It
1: gets people riled up.
0: It is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. So all right, go get, get after it. Tell us what you. Okay. Got.
1: So um to begin with, I do not think that kibble is the ideal diet. I feed two of my dogs raw and one of my dogs half raw, half kibble. Um. I understand that kibble is necessary for the majority of people. And especially when we're talking about my clients, Grayson's clients, people listening to this podcast, kibble is the practical, realistic option. But I need to preface this by saying I am going to talk a lot of crap about kibble. And that is because it has very very few redeeming qualities, in my opinion, and most of those being convenience and affordability. And if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. I feed kibble, Grayson feeds kibble. It's just a part of life. But I don't think I think it needs to be understood that we're when we're fighting about kibble, we're fighting about, you know, what's the best of the worst. Um, So if anyone's interested in talking about raw diets or adding fresh food to kibble, since that is definitely a lot more practical than feeding 100 percent raw, maybe we can do a follow up episode. Let us know about that. If you want to learn why feeding raw whole foods is important beyond common sense. (laughs) You know, that's what it boils down to. We never go to the doctor and they say, oh, you should eat less fresh foods. You should definitely eat more processed foods. There wouldn't be a doctor on this planet that would tell humans that. And yet that's what every single, well, the majority of vets tell us is that don't feed fresh foods, feed processed foods. Um, there's a great book called Feeding Dogs, The Science Behind Dry vs. Raw Debate by Dr. Connor Brady. I really enjoy this book. It is very science-heavy. Um, it's not practical in the sense it's not going to tell you what to feed, but it's going to tell you why feeding dogs whole foods is important. Um, just a couple notes on that. There's some debate on whether dogs are carnivores or omnivores, Dogs are carnivores based on dentition. So if we look at their teeth, they are carnivores. They are not obligate carnivores like cats. So they can survive on more uh, carbohydrates than cats can. But just because they can digest starch doesn't mean they should. Um, Dogs have no requirement for starch. They can get all of their energy from fat and protein. And that's different than omnivores. So essentially, all dogs being fed kibble diets are in carb overload because a natural diet is going to be a natural diet, meaning not only what wolves ate, you know, dogs are obviously highly evolved since wolves, but what wild dingoes eat, he talks a lot about that in the uh, feeding dogs book. Dingoes are more closely related to dogs than wolves. Dogs will choose to be carnivores when given the option, but when they have easy access to starches, like scavenging, they will eat starches. But all dogs being fed kibble diets are in carb overload. We started feeding kibble because it is cheap, convenient, it's an easily balanced food, and because of marketing. So it started in 1860, was when the first real biscuit came out by James Spratt, who saw a business opportunity out of it. (laughs) So he was using things that weren't necessarily great for human consumption and throwing them into a biscuit and marketing it as something specifically for dogs. And that's where the idea of kibble came from. Not out of need, but out of a business opportunity. Disadvantages of feeding kibble are, um, we're going to talk about the fillers, the quality that goes into it, synthetic ingredients and the long-term health issues. So those are some things we're going to cover. When I look for a kibble, one of the first things I look for are the ingredients. What you need to know is that the order of ingredients is based on the weight of the ingredient in the food. So the first ingredient is always going to be essentially the most, and the last ingredient is going to be the least.
0: And real quick to interject, I've seen some post on this and I can't remember what the answer was. Is this the dry weight prior to cooking or the weight after it's been processed? So order of
1: ingredients is on an as fed basis, meaning it includes moisture content. Dry matter basis means on a dry matter basis, there's no moisture. So this is really important. So when we look at the ingredient type, the type of ingredient is important. So if you see chicken as the first ingredient, that's fantastic except for you have to keep in mind the moisture content so on a dry matter basis if chicken is the first ingredient when we take the moisture content out of that obviously meat is very high moisture content yeah. this is deceiving and this is how a lot of kibble companies trick you into thinking what is the first ingredient so if chicken's the first ingredient and then the second ingredient is something that doesn't have a lot of moisture content so let's say corn corn meal yeah a meal was obviously very dry. Sure. So on a dry matter basis, you take the moisture out of that chicken and then suddenly chicken's no longer the first ingredient. Um, so the order of ingredients is important, but you have to be savvy about the way you look at it. There's also some other tricks companies do where they break down ingredients. So you'll see corn and then you'll see corn meal and essentially those are the same things but because they're broken up that means they can be placed separately in that order whereas if we were just to say corn as a whole that would probably be the first ingredient but when we break it up between corn and cornmeal then we can have them chicken be the first ingredient
0: let me let me ask you so i you, we see, i see the meal come mm-hmm. up a lot so mm-hmm. whether we're talking the protein or whether we're talking the starch in the mm-hmm. food you'll see chicken chicken meal whatever and then the corn and cornmeal um, I, I think I've got a good idea of what cornmeal is. Do you know what like the protein meals are, and essentially what is what is cornmeal? I'm assuming it's the ground corn. Yeah, so it's a,
1: a obviously it's been processed in order to be a dry meal that you're going to buy in a that the company is going to buy in a processed bag, and there are a lot of opinions out there about whether or not they're a legitimate source of protein. Sure. So pros to chicken meal versus chicken is that there's no moisture content. So when you see chicken meal high on the ingredient list, you can be confident that there is probably a good amount of actual chicken protein in it. The um, downsides of it are that it's processed. And obviously, anytime we're processing something, so we've got this processed chicken meal that we're putting into processed kibble, anytime you heat something and process it, you are losing nutrients. So We're kind of jumping ahead here, but we're going to talk about bioavailability. And anytime you process something, you're going to lower the bioavailability. So for me, meal is personally not a red flag. Again, I already know that kibble, we're picking the best of the worst. When I see a bunch of different meals, uh, animal-based protein meals and a food, I would much rather see that than Corn and rice and grains, because at least I know there are protein, uh, animal based proteins going into that food. Sure. But, you know, to each their own on how they feel about meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. So when we look at ingredients, we're obviously wanting animal based ingredients. This is really important. Just because dogs can digest starch doesn't mean they should. So when we look at ingredients, we want to see the most amount of animal-based proteins that we can. For me personally, I like to see chicken, beef, or I'm sorry, beef, pork, fish over chicken. Because when we talk about quality ingredients, which is important, just because it says, you know, they're meat-based proteins doesn't mean that they're also quality-based proteins. Um, we've got a lot of that in dog food where we we have byproducts, which isn't necessary. It's not something to be super alarmed by, but byproducts are all the things that humans aren't going to eat. And sometimes that can be good, um, you know, depending on the source. But sometimes that's also a bunch of scraps left over that don't have a lot of nutrient value. And that's really hard for me personally to deduce from looking at these labels is this a quality of um a quality based meat protein or is this some very low nutrient based meat protein? So go ahead.
0: Is it just that you think chicken maybe a chicken byproduct would have more Low nutrient density. Absolutely. Well, yes.
1: And And so when we look at meats, obviously, even from a human perspective, we know that red meats are more nutrient dense. The other issue with the chicken is the omegas. It's very high in omega 6, which is pro inflammatory. Gotcha. Everything in kibble is pretty much pro inflammation because of the high starch content. So when we compare chicken versus beef, we've got those high omegas in a chicken that makes it even more. Pro inflammatory than beef. Um, And you know, chickens are, and this can go for cows and pigs too, but chickens are almost always fed corn diets that are pro inflammation. So for me, I tend to avoid chicken as much as I can. Like I don't even feed my raw dogs chicken meat, they eat chicken wings and maybe some chicken feet, but I, I eat a ton of chicken breast myself. I will not feed it to my dogs. Interesting.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Well, and then I remember that from our early conversations when I was trying to like filter through kibbles I wanted to feed. And I was leaning on you for the advice that, Hey, you like the beef protein being number one in the I do, in, in, Victor. in the Victor high pro plus. And I've always just kind of without doing my own research, which I'm, I don't like to do, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the convenience guy. I mean, I feed a handful of dogs around here and even with my own dogs, uh, you remember I, I took one quick shot at feeding raw. Like, <laughs> that it lasted was like the for pre-
1: three-fourths of a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, now,
0: nah, <laughs> here, you take the rest of this stuff that, that I bought and uh, and went back to feeding kibble. But the consistency, I've always kind of just chalked it up to the fact that it was a beef protein the, that all the, like, and I say all, but the great, great majority of the dogs tended to just do very consistently well. I mean... There was, it wasn't like you walk through the kennel and go, okay, this guy's got, I can go through the kennel right now and I'm feeding, I'm going to say it, diamond naturals, (laughs) beef and rice. I stuck with it because it was the beef Uh protein, but I can walk through the kennel and I don't know if it's a filler. I don't know what the ingredient is that does this. And I can go, okay, this dog is going to have a decently well-formed turd. I don't have a single dog that has the well-formed turd that the Victor throws, Um. But I can walk through and go, and I know now, like, okay, that dog's going to be this, 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 this consistency of their poop based on what my cleaning looks like every day. Uh, whereas the Victor, it was just, like, consistently the exact same mm-hmm. deal, you know, on the back end. And I always just chalked it up to beef, and I guess I was proven wrong on that <laughs> regard, just just going with the diamond on this one. But, um, you know, it just—it's not the same for whatever no. reason. I don't know exactly what the ingredient was, but that now I've kind of debunked my own theory in that regard. It's not just interesting,
1: a yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people assume that their dogs have chicken allergies. That's something you hear a lot. A lot of people, who's at least in the raw community, it's been mentioned a lot that dogs who are supposedly allergic to chicken and kibble can eat chicken raw. Yeah and obviously when we add processing to kibble we're making it even more pro inflammatory but when we think about allergy symptoms redness itching discomfort gi upset a lot of that can be caused by allergies can be caused by inflammation which sure. you know they're kind of one and the same That's so when we when we think of chicken and dogs being allergic to it it's because it's so pro-inflammatory, and it is definitely not the quality. Like I feed my dogs a ton of fat. Everyone knows how hard bl- blitz is to keep weight on. I would never feed chicken fat. They, I go and buy beef or pork fat, but chicken fat is just not the same quality, and it's what's in all of these kibbles.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that's storing whatever the inflammatory, especially when you talk about the omega sixes and yep, stuff. That's where yep. you're going to find the great majority. Yep. And I'm gonna. I know this is going to aggravate the heck out of you right now but I want to take this thing on a quick turn cuz you okay. did say something you said you know that when you feed it's common to feed dogs raw chicken in in the uh in the raw diet community I guess
1: B- bones chicken not bones. a lot of people feed raw muscle meat chicken okay. but definitely a lot of bones because they're easily digestible But if
0: you're feeding an easily digestible chicken bone I'm assuming that's coming from a raw chicken mm-hmm. and and the big fear in raw chicken at least amongst humans has always been the this salmonella bacterium is mm-hmm. that correct yes so this is this i want to bring this up and i want you know i, I want to insert it into the conversation i don't want uh, to just bookend it but that that's what the recall for for Victor was about mm-hmm. right so they had uh they the detected salmonella um in the facility or in the food or something like that and i guess from what i understand and i've been trying to piece this together and i don't have a good source for just a good linear story about this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that there, uh, there were a couple of kids, infants, toddlers that were getting sick and they kind of traced it back to the, to the Victor. And at first it was like just the five pound bags mm-hmm. of high pro plus that they were concerned mm-hmm. about turned into a general, um, a general recall. And, uh, and now I can't even remember the name of the conglomerate that owns Victor now. um, but Midwest, is it Midwest or something like Superior that? Superior Food. Eh, I don't know. It's one of the one of the big, big business companies mm-hmm. that bought it from the little guys that started it. Um, and that's, you know, there's a lot of him and hawing about that as well. But mm-hmm. now this big company owns it, Quality Controls and the Crapper. You know, for me personally, it's just about the ingredients. Like, you know, and you want quality control to be high. But if you're running a big, I mean, I, I can't think of any major feed company that is safe from a recall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay. Here's going to be my thought. If we're going to talk about this recall now, here's my thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, let's get into it. For one, it's a voluntary recall, which is a big deal to me. Yes. They did not wait until shit hit the fan and the FDA said, hey, you have to pull this from shelves. It was a voluntary recall. They say, we messed up. We don't want anyone else to get sick. Sure. That's important to me from an ethical standpoint. Yes. For two, they found traces of salmonella within the plant. Yeah. And that's why everything got recalled. And I know people are freaking out because it's not just one or two things. To me, again, morally, that's the safe thing to do. We don't know what products are affected. Why doesn't everyone just bring everything back and we'll just start fresh? Yeah. Again, I think that's very ethical of them. For three, <laughs> and maybe this is just me being a little bit sassy about particular products, but when you are a prescription diet company who has an FDA recall for vitamin D toxicity that is killing dogs, that is a big deal to me. Okay. And I heard very little about that. Yes. this These companies, this particular company that had this vitamin D recall that was killing dogs, also feeds these prescription diets that almost never have meat protein in them. You'll see they have a bunch of cornstarch and yeah, yeah, grains. Okay, science diet. Okay, science diet. Here we are. When science diet and Royal Canaan are (laughs) composing food of almost 100% starch, how is you don't find salmonella in plants like that. And so when when people
0: allude to prescription diet, is that what we're talking about? Is that kind of, because I see that a lot. I always see prescription diet and I'm like, what does that even mean?
1: This is a great question. Okay. Okay, let's talk about prescription diets. Prescription diets are diets that have had feed trials performed on them. Okay. And this is why vets recommend them because vets can point to science. But who is paying for those feeding trials? Sure. The company who produces them.
0: Well yeah, this this rings of like the entire pharma industry. Exactly. Exactly.
1: This is why we need to be asking more questions and doing our research and not just going with what everyone else says. Sure. So feeding trials are performed on kibble. If you do any research, research what constitutes a feeding trial. It literally is something crazy. And you know, there's different regulations and stuff, but it's like if you can keep a dog alive for 90 days on this, it passes the feeding trial.
0: And so now it's now it's science backed, and
1: now it's science backed. (laughs) (laughs) And so now vets can recommend this as a kickback, and get a kickback in a lot of cases. Vets can recommend this as science backed food because it kept dogs alive for ninety days.
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
1: There are not feeding trials that go over the course of a dog's life, which is understandable. That would be so hard to maintain and to um, fund. Sure. But you will never see. Vets recommend a prescription diet for raw because there's no raw company to pay for that.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I'm Science assuming diet. there's no and I don't know this. I mean, I know there's a what is it, AFCO or something like mm-hmm. that 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 um, you know, puts the ominous dominus on our food that says it's okay to eat, but I'm assuming they probably don't have the same standards as the FDA does for like human foods and things like
1: so, that. So AFCO regulates the nutrients, gotcha. meaning there is this the National Research Council NRC sets them minimum requirements and sometimes maximums too but not always um, requirements of nutrients in foods based on kibble yeah <laughs> so it's saying you know in order to keep this dog alive you it has to have and this I'm just making stuff up here sure, sure. you know seven this- milligrams per thousand kilograms of copper every day so that's what afco does and afco says this food meets those requirements gotcha
0: okay let me let me okay let me swing it back around to the salmonella thing because i Mm -hmm. did have an i do have a client that just came to get a dog today and i was really excited to talk to him because he's a vet and and we talked you know had an in-depth talk about this particular thing we're dealing with right here in the podcast um but what i was really interested in hearing was his thoughts on salmonella like what do you do if you Get some. What? How do you treat that? He goes. You treat for symptoms. He's like, you know, it's and now again, I'm not a vet, uh, and this is completely secondhand information, but it makes sense to me, based on my my limited experience in allopathic medicine and just in the military and stuff like that. Like, you treat for symptoms. You make sure you stay hydrated. Usually, the body's going to clear it pretty quickly. Um, rarely are you even going to an antibiotic now that's not, I don't want to diminish. And I certainly don't want to hurt anyone's feelings because I absolutely. had that face Facebook post and I actually had a lady and maybe two, I couldn't tell it, tell if it was the same person or different that had, uh, had an experience where they, their dog died. I don't, I have no idea what the particulars were around that. And is it possible? It's absolutely possible. Dogs die from bacterial infections all the time, whether it be salmonella, whether it be whatever, is it? You know, is, is is Salmonella a a major concern? Is it something that we should be afraid of? You know, I think obviously no one of us want to get it. Right. I've, I've had uh, E. Coli, and it was horrible, <laughs> and it was the worst experience. I mean, terrible experience.
1: But it was the only time Grayson's lost weight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for acknowledging that. Um, <laughs> But, it, it, you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the value of that. And I don't want to diminish those people's experiences. I, I, I feel for them. What I want is like, what is, what's the real fear? Should we be afraid? And if we're feeding, you know, if it's common to feed a dog raw chicken, which is like a biggest no-no ever for a human being to ingest because of the S word and dogs are clearing it and passing it and doing fine. I I'm assuming they're being exposed to salmonella on a pretty regular basis Absolutely. on occasion. Um, and I think I probably am too, by the way. I handle birds and eggs. and Oh my j- gosh, we y- have to. I'm probably swimming in salmonella on a regular basis. And uh, I mean, I wash my hands and stuff. But on I'm occasion. Not, like, yeah, I'm not going through a, you know, like a hazmat decon between, you know, my day at work and my time at the supper table. Uh, and and to this point, I don't think I've ever suffered from a salmonella exposure in any way. So, you know, I, I again, I'm not telling you it's not worth being afraid of. I just, I'm I'm very suspect of like the, the, any fear mongering that goes on. A hundred percent agree. You know, and so, and so that was kind of my question to him and that kind of validated what my own thoughts were. And again, you know, I'm not, I'm not referencing any peer reviewed research and we are mentioning companies by name here, but I'm not, we're not libeling anyone. We're just telling it like it is, you know, and and I'm happy to, and I I think that's important, you know, that there be access to at least somebody that's trying to understand what's going on right now. And that's all we're doing here. So I'll let you, I'll get out of the way now and we can, we can circle back, but just kind of, I, I, Again, we're dealing in kibble. We know it's the best of, we're looking for the best of the worst. Mm-hmm. I will always be feeding the best I can of the worst I can at the best value I can, <laughs> yes. right? Because it is it is a matter, not just of convenience. If I were to try and feed raw to the number of dogs I feed Wait, right it's now, not it, it's completely realistic. unsustainable. Yep. But I'm not even going to do it with any of my favorite old dogs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to- And no judgment. I yeah. totally, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not judging anyone for the choices they make. And I understand, believe me. Yeah. When I raw prep, I envy anyone. Anyone who feeds kibble, so absolutely yeah. no. Judgment. And I and
0: I do think it's cool. Yeah, I do. I enjoy like watching your post and seeing the things you <laughs> feed your dog. And I I, I to some degree go like you know always have a transient thought like oh, that'd be fun. No, 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 it's not.
1: So it is not fun. Okay, so we're we're still discussing ingredients. Um, if there's anything you take away from this podcast, I hope it's to understand carbohydrates and kibble and why they're so important and how they affect our dogs. This to me is, you know, the thing you star. So carbohydrates are either simple carbs, which are sugars or complex carbs, which are starches. So I use these terms interchangeably some that is not um, always correct of me, but it's just how things work in my brain. But carbohydrates are are sugars and starches. So, all starches get broken down into sugars. So, that's really important that we understand. We can think of carbohydrates as sugars. Unlike protein and fat, dogs have no nutritional requirement for dietary carbohydrates. So, why are there carbs in kibble? For one, because they're cheap When we talk about adding ingredients such as corn, which is one of the most affordable carbohydrates compared to beef, obviously corn is going to be cheaper. For two, kibble has to have a binding agent. So you cannot (laughs) make kibble out of corn and vegetables. It would never, or um, I'm sorry, out of meat and fruits and vegetables. It would never work. You have to have something really sticky to hold it together to give it that nice little round or disc or whatever shape it is in, you have to have starches in order to hold kibble like together like cake. that. Like
0: it's just like a little uh, hush puppy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yes, kibble is a hush puppy. Um so that's another reason. And for two, um it's very or for three, it's very affordable for companies to add carbohydrates to bump up calorie content and sometimes even protein content. So, when we look at the starch content of meat, it's zero. Fruits, six to eight percent. Vegetables, four percent. Grains have the highest percent carbohydrates. And so, when we're looking at ingredients, we're looking for grains. We're looking for ingredients that are going to have the lowest starch content in order to keep the carbohydrate level down. So, an ideal dog Diet would be as far as what they would eat in the wild, is somewhere between, I think, 8 to 10% carbohydrates, whereas dog foods are generally 30 to 60% carbohydrates. All those excess carbs, which are sugars, and we know what sugar does it causes inflammation and it leads to a variety of health problems. Inflammation leads to obesity, diabetes, cancer, elevated blood sugar, inflammation, allergies, uh, maldigestion, which is gas, bloating, diarrhea, imbalanced gut bacteria, immune system imbalances, and cancer. So, the excessive carbohydrates to me are the number one problem with kibble. In order to calculate the carb content of kibble, you can take, and this will be in the notes, you do 100 minus. Whatever the protein, fat, fiber, moisture, and ash content is, and that's how you get the carbohydrate content. Some companies will add that percentage on their website. You can calculate it if they don't. Uh, if they don't use an ash content on their website, you can use six as a general six percent as a general number.
0: But a- ash is just a byproduct of the cooking process. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yep. Um, so protein, fiber. Fat, moisture, ash. You add that together and you subtract that from 100. And that leaves you with the carbohydrate content.
0: Okay. Protein, fiber. Fat. Fat. Moisture. Moisture. Ash. Ash. Okay. Five things. Got Mm -hmm. it. Okay.
1: And when I look for kibble, that is one of the... Number one things I look for is the lowest carbohydrate content I can, because for one, that means the the least amount of inflammation I can get. And for two, it means more quality products, hopefully, like protein and fat. Yeah. Something we really need to discuss that I don't think I've ever seen really talked about in the context of kibble is glycemic index. Yeah. So the glycemic index is how food affects our blood sugar. Meaning, when we eat something, what happens to our blood sugar after we eat it? The higher the number, the higher it affects our blood sugar.
0: The harder our body has to work to process that with insulin and all those things. Yep.
1: So, this is really important in the context of heart health, especially diabetes, cancer, and our energy and mood. These are the things that are affected when our blood sugar spikes. And over time, if we have a lot of these blood sugar spikes, that's what, lead, that's what can lead to like heart health and diabetes and affect our energy and mood. Any meat is going to have a glycemic index of zero. But when we look at these grains, the lower the number, the better. So again, corn, uh, chicken, beef, pork are all going to have a glycemic index of zero. But if we process those, they can then have a glycemic index. So the glycemic index of corn is 52, but then corn gluten meal is 68, rice is 66, grain sorghum is 70, and whole grain millet is 52. The higher the number the more it affects our blood sugar. Hmm. And over time, with these constant blood sugar spikes, it's going to lead to disease. And so to me, it's crazy that we don't talk about that, especially it affecting energy and mood, but then also, you know, the diseases that it can cause. And humans, this is a big deal. We are always told to reduce our sugar for this for this reason.
0: Well, and it's like, I mean, I feel like I'm listening to, but number one, like this could be an episode of like, you'd be listening to on Joe Rogan or something, because they're <laughs> always talking like this human optimization stuff. And, and uh, not, I mean, I like carbs too much for this, but you Same. know, people are like, There are people thriving on carnivore diets right now. Absolutely, I'm I'm sure some people have a genetic propensity to do better than others on Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, or whatever. But I was also having a conversation with a uh, with a with a good friend and client not long ago who who is into like the superhuman health optimization thing. And the guy actually, he's in his early 50s. He's fit as a fiddle. He's like pescatarian to some degree. He does eat his vegetables, but he like eats everything in a certain order. Interesting. So that it, it doesn't affect his glycemic in, or his blood sugar the same way. Awesome. And, and he wears a glucose monitor. He's yes. not a type 2 diabe- yes. diabetic, but he actually like hits a game for him. Yes. He's like trying to keep his, his blood sugar below a certain level all the time, even after meals and stuff.
1: I have a dog friend that's doing that. It's and amazing. I listened to her talk about this at a hunt test recently. And yeah. she is not diabetic, but has been wearing one for health reasons. And she said it's wild to see how things affect her blood sugar.
0: And he and he just said, it's like, it's amazing. You, you, it's like, uh, you're playing this game and you're, the, the health benefits are amazing. And you can just tell immediately like right. within a week, you know, how right. much better he felt. And then right. now he's like, you know, exactly. putting on muscle, losing fat fat it's all you know and it's a, so much of it's just diet and I, and yep. and the in our insulin reactions to yep. these carbohydrates are are a huge like a primary factor in all of this exactly you know, and, and so, i guess it goes the same for the dogs
1: exactly and this is i just feel like it's such a big deal and you know m- the majority almost all dogs are weaned onto kibble and so, you know, my, people might think, oh, my dog has high energy and, you know, a great mood and stuff. But what well, we'd know if it was different without that. Sure. Right. Because we have nothing to compare it to because mm-hmm. all they've ever had is the, these huge insulin spikes. Sure. Um, and so, you know, when people have had a dog kibble for their whole life and then suddenly switched to raw, they rave about it and they, you know, talk about all the benefits they see and stuff. And it's just like we wouldn't ever know how to compare if all of our dog ever eaten his kibble, but it absolutely affects your mood and energy and all those things. You know, you can do a little experiment yourself, which I have unintentionally been doing this last week by eating all of the bread that I can possibly eat <laughs> and feeling how terrible I feel. <laughs> I cannot breathe through my nose and I am not sick, but I am just so inflamed from all of the bread that I've been eating. Um... But I know, like it's the processed food that I'm eating, and sure. I know that when I decide to get my life together and eat better, that it'll go away. But you know, do we are these things happening to our dogs? I mean, they have to be, and sure. we're not.
0: Yeah, but they're living the it. American diet the same. I mean, yep. I I am. I'm you know I don't know if you had this as a kid, but in. You know, in elementary school, I can remember, I mean, in, through high school, I can remember the food pyramid being pushed on us all the time, you know, and like you were supposed to, the the most important part of your diet were the carbohydrates. And that was what you were supposed to consume the most of. And now we're luckily having this pendulum swing, mm-hmm. you know, and people are really becoming savvy to that. And obviously like, you know, the, the lower carb diets and things. And I mean, it, we're also op- opportunistic omnivores <laughs> to some degree, <laughs> yes, right? Absolutely. Like, but I, I think, you know, um, I I mean I could go on and on about this just based on on my own education and experience and one thing I will bring up though that I always thought was fascinating is um the mississippian culture I was an anthropology major for a while in college and the the life expectancy of humans in along the mississippi alluvial plain uh dropped dramatically when they went from being hunter gatherers to an agrarian culture where Not they were surprised. growing corn. And so they were consuming primarily corn and they all started losing their teeth and dying early <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, as a result. And so, you know, I think our bodies were designed and evolved to, uh, in, in our dogs' bodies, you know, if the, the primary, the, the dogs for sure, primary carnivores, op- opportunistic omnivores, um, they we're we're supposed to kind of roam the landscape eating what's available to us. And if we have sharp teeth, we're built to <laughs> to eat meat, yep. you know? And so, uh, again, yeah, a nice fun little ve- veer off of the course there, but bring it, <laughs> bring us back around.
1: Okay. So just for comparison, um, Blitz has a NRC balanced raw diet. And on an as-fed basis, which is what the label is going to be for the guarantee analysis for kibble, she eats 16% protein, 12% fat, 4% carbs, 66% moisture, because she's eating raw. The moisture content is huge.
0: How many percent carbs?
1: Four. Okay. On a dry matter basis, she's eating 11% carbs. Okay. So kibble is... The guarantee analysis for kibbles on an as fed basis, and it's 30 to 60 percent carbs compared to her four.
0: Sure, and for the very, very few of you that don't know, Blitz is uh, is Emily's short hair, um, and her kind of you know, her first seat pet, bird dog. Um, and for anybody that's ever seen a picture of Blitz, I mean, she's a <laughs> super athlete, right? Like, just yep. I mean, muscle, super muscle tone everywhere, looks great, carries a ton of muscle, very little fat. And looks very good all. And the
1: she's time. been and, eating raw since she was eight weeks old and she is uh, six and a half now. Um, but she's, you know, the first dog I've had that has eaten raw and so far so good. Yeah. Um, okay. This one's for you, Grayson. Do dogs need grains? This can be very controversial and everyone is free to have their own opinion <laughs> on this.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't think they need I do not think they need grains. I I I I would assume that very few wolves are consuming grains on a regular basis, and I do think that they're the same species as our dogs. Yes, slight variation.
1: So there, you know, everyone has heard about grains and heart disease, DCM, Um, and the research on that is very inconclusive, and unfortunately the companies that were behind the original research that said there is a link to DCM and grains were also the companies that are filling their kibble with grains. So it's very convenient for them to say, hey, your dog should eat grain as a way for them to throw corn into everything and have people be like, oh, good. This is you know good for my dog. The real issue boils down to legumes and amino acids. So bioavailability is really important. And this is such a hard um, conversation to have because I feel like it's very... um, Okay. So bioavailability is the way we digest food and how much we absorb of it. Gotcha. So eggs are supposed to be like the most bioavailable food. Obviously, they're meant to feed... (laughs) the chicken, um, milk is supposed to be extremely bioavailable or is extremely bioavailable too, because it's supposed to feed.
0: And when you animals. say that, when you break the nutrients down, I assume we're talking like fats and proteins primarily, but I'm, I'm sure there's other minerals and vitamins yeah. and things like that. I'm
1: not a hundred percent certain and certain, and I don't want to be quoted on that, gotcha. but it's the way we bioavailable is the way we absorb things and how much we get out of that. Gotcha. Um, When we talk about bioavailability, grains have much lower bioavailability than animal products. So again, at the top of our list is whole fish, milk, eggs. Then we've got meats. And then at the bottom of the list, I believe it's more in like the 50s compared to the egg. That's 100 are our grains. Which makes perfect
0: sense, right? Because we're talking mostly primarily about like herbivores and like low end omnivores. And so they're eating all the stuff we're not really set up to process and kind of, uh, you know, processing it for us. exactly. And then, yeah, and then kind of putting all the density of nutrients together for us so we can consume them and have it in, yes. a, in a more bioavailable way.
1: So when we talk about bioavailability, legumes have a lower bioavailability than grains and so where this DCM comes from in regard to grains is from what I understand is the amino acids so dogs have 10 essential amino acids amino acid is what a protein is broken down into dogs have a 10 essential ones and then there are other non-essential essential means you cannot get those without from other things. So you have to eat specific things in order to get those amino acids that you need. They're essential. You have to have them or shit goes wrong. (laughs) Sure. Um, Legumes apparently, from my understanding, do not have the amino acids that we can sometimes get from grains. So every, every type of food has its own, own amino acids and how we process those depends on a bio bioavailability. So, in an ideal world, we eat meat such as beef which is high in taurine which is absolutely essential for heart health. Sure. But when we're not getting all of our nutrients and I say we, but when dogs are not getting all their nutrients from meat proteins, a lot of these kibbles that are 30% protein are high in protein because of grains and legumes. Gotcha. That 30% protein does not mean it's coming from meat sources. So these, are,
0: these are plant-based proteins. So now this is the smoke and mirrors, right? When they went, when the grain-free thing became cool, my in, my yep. immediate assumption was, well, that must
1: have more meat. Exactly. But that is not the case. A lot of times, these grain-free foods are even higher... And fillers, meaning foods that we're not getting a lot of nutrients from. And this is where things get bad because you've got all of these peas and different ingredients that aren't very nutrient dense for dogs, but they make the label look the way it should. Hmm. By Saying, yeah, you can get protein from peas, and if you put enough peas in there, you can get 30% protein.
0: Yeah. Like, um, you like cook them down and stuff them into a, you <laughs> can make a lot of weight out of peas, and, and, yep. And all of a sudden, now you're getting this like high protein food that's got 0% of bioavailability of specific correct amino, amino acids. Acid.
1: Yes, exactly. So, this is where things get sketchy. Dogs do not need grains. I have never fed Blitz a grain in her life and she is just fine. But that being said, you can't just bank on a dog food having grains and saying, yes, this is a good one, or dog food not having grains and saying, no, this isn't a good one. You have to look at all of these things as a whole. Gotcha. The best way to do that for me, this is a huge emphasis in the kibble I'm going to choose, is the percent protein from meat. Gotcha. Meaning there is an exact number that companies can tell you of how much comes from meat. So Victor, right on their website, you can. everyone can go look this up. Victor Hi-Pro Plus is 88% protein from meat, 2% protein from plants and vegetables, and 10% protein from grains. That is one of the number one reasons why I feed Victor is because I know that the majority of that 30% protein that they've got on the bag is coming from meat. Um. Nature's Logic, which is... My other top favorite kibble. Their beef recipe is eighty percent, eighty-seven percent protein from meat, and pork is ninety percent protein from meat. And you can tell by the ingredients that you know there's a lot of meat ingredients in these um, kibbles. But it like is you know a, a really good reassurance. If you are feeding a kibble, you should absolutely reach out. I've not seen it listed on any company's website besides Victor. You should absolutely reach out and ask what the percent protein is for meat in your specific recipe.
0: Hmm.
1: Purina, when I emailed them, did not disclose that because they said it was proprietary information, Okay, which is absolutely bogus to me because it's a percent. How is that some secret? Yeah. Right? (laughs) So so that to me is immediate red flag, which doesn't surprise me coming from a Nestle company, but that to (laughs) me is an immediate red flag that... You're, you know, looking at the pro plan sport ingredients, chicken, corn, gluten meal, rice, beef fat, poultry byproduct meal, whole grain corn, corn germ meal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like three different corns in there. In the in the
1: How much of that protein is coming from corn and how much is coming from chicken? Yeah. And not chicken meal, but chicken.
0: Sure. No, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think I feel honestly this has been a very enlightening conversation for me. I've actually sat down and talked to you like this before, but I've never done it in such a structured way that my brain actually could process the information you were giving me. And I, I, I think I've now my suspicions based about what I've been noticing in in my dog's poop are starting to come to light to some degree as well.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's fascinating. And, uh, So go go on, but I do want to like, I want to kind of run down the list. I want to think about specific brands when we're done with this and and, and discuss some of that because yeah, there's, there's important information here.
1: Okay. So to wrap all of that up, when I look for a kibble, what is the checklist that I go to go through? For one, I'm going to look for protein or percent protein, fat, and carbs. There are some people out there that are scared of too much protein. I personally am not. For one, I like high protein, high fat, because that means my carbs are going to be low. On a dry matter basis, which is not what's listed on the bag of kibble. That's a as fed basis, but on a dry matter basis, Blitz eats forty-eight percent protein, thirty-six percent fat, eleven percent carbs. High protein doesn't scare me when it's quality. You high.
0: couldn't find there I don't I've never seen I mean, I've looked at the highest of the high protein fat ratios on mm-hmm. bags
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I've never seen a forty-six, Mm-mm. thirty, what
1: was it? Forty eight thirty six.
0: Forty eight thirty six. So you'll never find a kibble that, that no. that's that high in fat and protein.
1: No. And obviously there are dogs out there with health issues that can't have high protein. Sure, sure. Um, so keep that in mind. But if you have a normal, average healthy dog, I would not be concerned about feeding them too much protein or fat in a kibble because you already know it's going to be high starch. Yes. So then after I look at that and I say, Okay, my you know, if my carb content is 70%, I you couldn't pay me to feed that. So, once I look at my protein, fat, and carbs, I'm gonna look at my ingredients. So, again, I'm mainly looking for quality meats. I wanna see that it's going to be a high percent protein from meat by looking for a lot of meat ingredients. But I'm gonna look for biological availability, so I don't wanna see a ton of um, grains. I don't want to see a ton of carbohydrates. I don't want to see cheap products. Corn, rice are cheap products. You're going to find a lot of that in a lot of foods, but those are the going to be the very high glycemic index foods. They're going to be high carbohydrate. They're going to be not providing quality nutrients that are going to contribute to anything but bumping up the calorie value, bumping up the protein value.
0: Do you? And I may be heading you off here. Uh You know, we're talking corn, rice, we're talking grains Mm -hmm. for a second. We know we don't want to see a whole bunch of those. But we also went with, we also kind of, I'd I'd like to get back to the comparison of the legumes and the grains. Mm -hmm. Because um, at least the grains are providing some sort of bioavailability where the legumes aren't. Right.
1: We're, that's what we're assuming. Yes.
0: Okay. That's an assumption. But I. That's it. It's like, are you more afraid to see, or do you? I guess. What if you see peas on the list? I know. Yeah. What? How does that affect you? Okay. And your thoughts.
1: So seeing peas on the list for one, where on the list is it? Sure. If it's going to be the second ingredient behind chicken, yeah. that's an automatic no for gotcha, me. Gotcha. Gotcha. But if it's the tenth ingredient down, okay. It's not super concerning to me. It's just a filler. Exactly. Yes, and if they're getting enough, and this is just for me personally, if they're getting enough protein percent protein from meat, and there's peas on there, that doesn't concern me so much.
0: Okay. Now, now that said, I mean, I I assume you would still want. I guess. Do we want to see a grain if we see a pea? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <Does it matter? laughs> I love <laughs> that question. Do we want to see a grain if we see a pea? Um, you've, you're going to have to have quality grains in a kibble gotcha. because you've got it. And that starch has to come from somewhere. Yeah. So I would rather see it from a quality grain like millet, which has a higher nutrient value than corn. Gotcha. I see corn and I'm not feeding it. I'm. J- that's just the way I am. Maybe that's fair. I'm. That's fair. I'm not feeding corn. I just know there's no. Okay we need to mention this too whole, <laughs> whole corn and food is ridiculous because we know how humans do with whole corn right sure, yeah, we see yeah. it come out the other end so <laughs> good point. it is the same with dogs dogs cannot digest corn well yeah and so in order to digest corn well you have to make it corn meal sure and look at the change in glycemic index. We go from out of 100, we go from 52 to 68. That's yeah, a big jump. Because
0: you're mo- removing the fiber help of like getting it through And the
1: moisture content and everything sure. else. Um. So... Corn is a no for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, and I just I don't know, man. I the the pea because I started seeing you know the buzz around the peas and mm-hmm. the DCM and that's yeah. where everybody was freaking out. But that comes down to the amino acid content breakdown. But if you're feeding high quality meat proteins, none of that really matters. Exactly. Or and fats. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. I'm I got I got that figured out.
1: And if if it's something you're concerned with, like let's just say the brand, sure. Next level has peas in it. Yep. If it were something where that's where I felt the most comfortable feeding that food, I would supplement beef heart and it would take about an ounce a day. And you should definitely double check with a reputable nutritionist about this. And I would happily give anyone the resources to do this. My thought process is I would supplement raw beef heart a little bit a day. You can't do too much or dogs get diarrhea and you don't actually need much, but that has a great source of taurine in it. And I would... Talk to a nutritionist to see if that would be something that would kind of help you feel better about the piece. Okay.
0: Yeah. You just, whew,
1: oh, right, okay. we'll my save that it. for the next podcast.
0: <laughs> but I, I'm with you. Like, I get it.
1: So, looking for in kibble um, ingredients, we just covered all of that. Quality amino acids, um, we just call, covered a lot about that. Keep in mind, and this is straight from the Purina website. Heat and processing damages proteins. True. So the more heat and processing you add add to a food, the less bioavailable those proteins are going to be. Gotcha. So when we talk about, you know, meals, does that really affect the quality of protein that are going to be able to be absorbed and really count for anything? Maybe. I don't know. That's, you know, just speculation, but something to keep in mind. Um, Heat and processing will always... Damage proteins. I also am very aware of the calcium to phosphorus content, especially because we feed a lot of um, younger dogs. If that ratio is not correct, or if we simply have too much calcium, that can affect growth. So, the calcium phosphorus ratio for large breed puppies, this isn't as applicable for smaller dogs, but for me, to be on the safe side i want all my food to be in this is one to one 1.1 1. 1 to one and 1.4 to one and calcium should be around three grams per thousand kilograms so it is something i look for if you do if you are not feeding a large breed puppy that isn't nearly as applicable to you copper content is important to me because i have a lab and labs are predisposed or um susceptible to copper toxicosis which is copper storage disease copper storage disease is when dogs store copper in their liver and they're not excreting enough of it and then essentially you know if we build up too much we get it gets toxic so copper toxicosis is A relatively recent thing that's happening, and from my understanding, what's happening is, for one, we do not have an upper limit of copper that's allowed in dog foods. We have a lower limit, but no upper limit, so companies can put as much copper in dog food as they want, and there are no reasons not to. Are there Um, any
0: reasons for them to, or this is just something that they they don't even recognize it as... You know, issue?
1: That's a great question, and you know I can't speak on behalf of the company. But something that is apparently happening is that they recently switched. You know, a lot of nutrients in kibble are synthetic. They recently switched. And I say recently, I don't know, maybe this was in the past five to 10 years, switched the type of synthetic copper that they're using. Hmm. And this new synthetic copper is supposedly, from what my understanding, more bioavailable, meaning dogs are absorbing more of it and companies didn't change the recipe.
0: Gotcha. So they're collecting more of it in their liver yep. because it's more bioavailable, but they were thinking they were doing the right thing. Now they end up with this weird side
1: effect. Yep. Factor. Gotcha. So. So for me, Ember has, this is weird. You can test for copper storage disease, but it's not black and white.
0: Is that a genetic test? I'm assuming. It is a
1: genetic gotcha. test through Paul Prince. Just because they have a copy or two of the disease doesn't mean they'll get it. And just because they have a copy or two of the, they don't have a copy or two of the disease doesn't mean they won't get it. Gotcha. So at the end of the day, it's still very gray, but Ember does have one copy of the gene. So I am very aware of um, what I'm feeding as far as copper goes. The desired range is 7 to 15 milligrams per kilograms. Um, most dog foods are in the 15 to 17 range, okay. which I don't think is terrible. Um, nothing to be concerned about. I will say a nook shook is 30, um, yeah. which to me is alarming. And their statement on that is that you feed less of it. So it, they're not absorbing as much you know, they're not, it's not as much if you're feeding less of it, which might be true. I don't know if you're feeding half. I don't know. I don't feel the nook but they are aware of it and supposedly are going to be changing it.
0: That's but, interesting. Cause yeah, that was one brand I certainly wanted to bring up for sure.
1: Um, so after I've gone through all of those things, uh, I also want to make sure it's a reputable company. Again, um, <laughs> Nestle is not a reputable company. I will never feed <laughs> any nestle purina product as long as i live um but when i look at that i also think of victor doing ethical um recalls not waiting for the fda to step in obviously things get missed and sometimes that happens but to me not concerning is what i was okay. going to talk about sure. there um and then finally what i look for in a kibble is how dogs do on it yeah. so obviously we can look at their coat if their coats poor quality that's a good indication that, you know, maybe they're not getting enough fat or, you know, maybe they're not. It's not agreeing with them. Teeth is also important to me. Um, I have heard a lot of people complain about a nook giving dogs teeth problems. That's something I'd be aware of. If you are feeding a nook keep an eye on that. Stool is big a deal for both of us. Yeah. I mean, that is a make or break. if. If dogs eat kibble at my house and it leaves skid marks in my yard, meaning when I go to pick it up, there's poop residue all over my ground. That's no for me. Yeah. I have, my, that's, my
0: yard is basically a poop slick <laughs> right now.
1: Right. And that is so, and it's not even about, it's somewhat about convenience for me, sure. but it's also, that is a great way to transmit diseases. And yeah. there are so many dogs in my point. yard. If I've got poop that's leaving poop residue and dogs are then stepping in it and tra- tracking it, not only in my house, which would give me nightmares. But, you know, licking it off their paws and then getting sick, it's a disaster. Yeah. I want a nice, solid, hard turd. Yeah. And if your dog isn't having that, that can be a red flag. Sure. So, you know, the number of clients that tell me, oh, their dog regularly has diarrhea or oh, their poop's normally soft or patties or whatever, just because it's normal for them does not mean it's normal. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, if your dog isn't having turds that you can pick up and it not smear on the ground at all... You might want to look into changing foods or at least, you know, experiment with it. For sure. Um, I've had quite a few dogs that were told that I was told they had upset stomachs on other foods and I feed them Victor and suddenly they don't anymore. Um, You know, food is a big deal.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then finally, long-term blood work. So this is something that I think is often overlooked. But just because you feed a dog a certain food for two years and they haven't had any major health crises doesn't mean there aren't things going on inside. Yeah. And, you know, DCM is a great um, example of that. And also, you know, if the nook shook copper tends to be a problem, we're not going to know for years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everyone that's feeding a Nookshook. if you have a lab, I cannot tell you how much I would recommend getting their blood work checked and look at those liver enzymes and making sure their liver values are all normal. Hmm. Because, I mean, copper toxicity, it's a—it's t- toxic. You, they die from it quickly. It's not something that, you know, is easy to save them from. Once you see symptoms, they are dying. Yeah, it's right,
0: because they are It's already there. It's You're already not getting there, rid of right. it at that point. That's like your heavy metal poisoning. It, stuff,
1: exactly. Think, so... So just because, you know, your dog looks good on a Nukshuk right now, and this is absolutely not throwing shade at a Nukshuk, just using an example, it doesn't mean that that copper is not going to come back in a couple years and sure. affect them. And this goes for literally every dog food. Keep an eye on their blood work and um, keep in mind that, um, you know, blood work doesn't test for all things. So if your dog has a <laughs> vitamin D deficiency or vitamin E toxicity, you're not going to see that on blood work. Blood work does not – normal. your normal yearly yeah. blood work doesn't show vitamin D. Yeah,
0: and my dog's not going to the to the vet for, like, for <laughs> this kind of – You know what I mean? So this is – I have to kind of, you know – Be I realistic, still, yes. This is why I make friends with people like you because <laughs> I can watch the experiences you're having and then I can make adjustments in my own behavior based on that. And, and I think most of us out there are probably like me. There's going to be – you're going to get, you know, I think – Probably most of the people that are raw curious in the world are, are already following Did you. you to some raw curious?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone <laughs> who's raw curious, we need a group,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I'm not raw curious anymore. Um, uh, but I, you know, before we, I, I number one, thank you. Like that, that is uh, I know that's accumulation of years of geeking out by yourself <laughs> in your computer screen. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, that that information and and its uh, curation didn't just come out of thin air, you know. And it's hard to find this stuff. I've looked I, and the people that write it up, you know, either I can't understand what they're saying or I I just don't like the quality of the writing or whatever. So hopefully this guy guy's made sense to you the way it did to me. I feel better about my own choices at this point, Um, you know, my personal experience, you know, so right now, this is what I've gone through. I, I fed, I fed what I thought I based basically when I was getting started caring about this stuff, all I cared about was the protein fat content. And that's what I looked at. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. I had people tell me like, Hey, you need to read the ingredients list. Like the first three ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like yep. if you see that's that, that, that often
1: said the first three,
0: you know, so the first three ingredients, as long as they're an animal product, you're good to go. I'm sure there's some tr- tr- truth to that to some degree, uh, but also knowing that, Hey, some of these companies that may have that can be pulling a little bit of hanky panky with the way they're writing exactly. it up. So being aware of that, yep. um, my personal experience—I've never personally fed Pro Plan. Um, I've got a lot of friends that do. I've got a lot. I know a lot of great dogs that eat Pro yep, Plan. absolutely, right? and, and they're doing fine. And so, again, this is you use the term throwing shade. None of this is to throw shade. Absolutely not. Um, I I worked at a major vending kennel that fed science diet based on the recommendation of our mm. veterinarian there. That, mm. And we were feeding pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets mm. of science diet. What wow. I can tell you it is it was the grossest kennel I've ever seen in my life.
1: The, I 100% believe it. it was.
0: It, it, I never saw a well-formed turd the entire time I worked there. It well, was,
1: because most of it is carbs. A lot of the prescription diets don't even have meat proteins. In so it.
0: weird. Like, what a weird thing to think that you're Cornstarch. Like, yeah, when it's not quite is... that you're not going to feed a carnivore meat like how weird is that right and so when you see that be sus like be suspect do your own research whatever Absolutely. again i mean again this is not slandering anybody we're just telling t- telling it like it is here so that's one you'll never see me go near um i fed you know i fed things like pride you know, 26, 16, because I was like, ah, it's pretty good content. I've had Diamond for a long time. I went back to Diamond Naturals. And I, I have used, and tell me what you think of this. I've used Dog Food Advisor in the past as a website. I don't really understand what they're trying to tell me <laughs> most of the time.
1: Dog Food Advisor gets so much flack. And I honestly, it is not a peer-reviewed source. I understand sure. yeah, that. Yeah. But, but they well, have... Science Diet has got peer-reviewed research <laughs> exactly. behind it. And that's know? why... Dog, so I don't go to Dog Food Advisor so much for looking at, like, types of kibble, yeah. but what I like is there's so much information there they that like is, the stuff. yes, yes, and it, the majority of the stuff you find on Dog Food Advisor that is um, sourced, meaning you can look up the reference from it yeah. and see the source um but they do have a lot of solid information there about things like glycemic index and those kinds of things
0: and it's and so it, you know back to the personal experiences i i remember when victor became a thing um i remember when it was coming up i yeah, i was working i was training in protection sports and and it got to be the the food everybody wanted to feed and they blew that brand up and I didn't feed it for years after I, I recognized that happening. When I did start feeding Victor, I reached out to the company one time, never got a response. It was like on an Instagram DM and it was like, <laughs> hey guys, I feed a lot of dogs your stuff and I recommend it because I really like it. If you'll ever throw me any f- cool swag or something like that, I'm here. Pay attention to <laughs> me, please. They never did respond to me. And I'm glad they didn't, honestly, because it gives me the opportunity to give objective you know, <laughs> yes. information at this point in my life. Um
1: But if they want to sponsor us now, we would definitely. I think. Accept. I think every
0: kid getting into dog training is like, I'm going to get a dog food sponsor. You know, and it's it, it's a double edged sword. And, and if Victor called me tomorrow and said, "We want you to have free pallets of dog food," I would feel really conflicted about it. Number one, because it would stick me to them And now, if they take a left turn, yeah, I got to break away. Yeah, I, you know, I understand that. And then number two. And I've said this on the podcast before. Hal at Midway General gets all my dog food mm-hmm. business, and I want same. him to for the rest of his life, yep. or for the rest of the time he operates that business. And and the older I get, the more and the more I recognize how hard it is to be an independent business person. Absolutely. The more I want to support those people in my local community, and I really would hope you guys are doing the same. So, I tractor supply is very convenient. Hal is my guy.
1: And you Hal is cheaper. And Hal is
0: cheaper. And and and, cheaper. And, and, um, and
1: carries the big bags of Victor, which I love. That he
0: w- and he'll <laughs> ask. And, he, and he, I even went to him and I was like, hey, there's this new company made by the old guys that started Victor. It's next level. I happened to be there when the supply guy was there. And he was like, we don't carry it. We're not sure. You know, we're like, we're just happy getting the, doing what we're doing right now. <laughs> and so I was like, I'll just wait on Victor. So I got my Diamond Naturals beef and rice and I've been cleaning that up for two weeks now and I'm so (laughs) desperate to get back to my Victor because I'm addicted to kicking turds out of kennels. Um, So just, just know that. And I'm, I don't, I'm not just here pimping their product. I, it has been the best thing ever for me in terms of what keeps my dogs right. I, I will say, and and I have, you know, I you got to come up in the wintertime if you're kenneling dogs outside, mm-hmm. and and that's it's still a tough one, and it's always hard to find exactly what it is that's going to keep weight on certain dogs. Great, right. um, I got dogs right now that are getting fat in the kennel, on mm. on a lower quality food, and but they're all Garbs, their turds are right. terrible. Yeah, um, but I also have dogs that are skinning. since the switch, like are have gone the other way but of Mm. course we've had these really cold nights we
1: have yeah. you know
0: and so knowing what dogs you got to bring in knowing what dogs you got to pay attention to when it gets cold sometimes it's not just bringing the calorie content up speaking of which a, a, a lot of folks on a Nook shook. tons of calories in a small amount of yep. food. You know, right now it seems like copper is the one thing that sticks out as mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and that's not the reason I didn't go to them. Uh, it's just because Hal won't carry them and, and I don't want to buy a pallet. I would try it again.
1: I'm not opposed to it. I think their normal general recipe is very mediocre. Sure. I look at it and I'm like, man, looks like every other chicken product you've ever seen. Sure. They have a special process that adds fat. Okay. Um, which is on their website. I that's how they get those super the, high fat contents, which in one aspect is really great because what does that mean? Lower carbs. Yes. Um, which I like. Something I don't like about it is that I feel like that fat affects their teeth.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And they're and, not getting the you know, whatever sort of nutrient.
1: Well, I mean, I feel like the process they add the fat to because, I mean, if you hold a nook it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's greasy. It's greasy as squishy. greasy can be. And I feel like that is what's affecting tea. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. So that's
1: my one concern. Their marine recipe is higher quality, in my opinion, based on the ingredients. Their website is significantly lacking information. I will say, though, I called him. Mm-hmm.
0: Dude picked up the phone and was friendly as could be. It didn't nice. take any time. He was knowledgeable. Yep. He wanted that means a to lot. talk. Um, You know, I've never, I've never called Victor. I've, I've never really had a need to. I probably should just to test the customer service. Mm -hmm. I know you had an experience. If you want to talk about it with Next Level,
1: yeah. So I reached out to Next Level asking them about questions that weren't listed on their website, like copper content, Um, which I understand now is probably not a good time because I know that they're getting hammered. They're getting hammered. Yeah. But the response was embarrassing, in my opinion. Sure. It was very. I mean, one word answers, no punctuation, no, hi, how are you? No, thanks for reaching out. Just one word answers. And to me, that was really inappropriate for sure. for a uh, professional response. And, you know, here I am exploring their food and I want, I want to be sold on it. event essentially because I am a Victor person yeah. and that did not sell me on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's a bummer. Um, and, you know, that's substance first. Always, yep. right for me. Substance is number one. You got to right. have the right product. It's right. got to be the real deal. Yep. Number two, service, <laughs> right? You yep. got to take care of me, man, because I don't like. I yeah. Bad customer service can turn me off real for quick. Sure. Love to give those people another opportunity one time because I, I think you're right. With the yep. Victor recall, yeah, I think don't they're just. i hold getting, that against
1: them for indefinitely, sure. but I will be switching back to Victor, so it's not a big deal for it's, me.
0: Exactly. And that, and that's understandable. But it's, you know, so it's if you're out there, you lost your Victor, you're looking for alternatives, you know, I think that's a viable one. Yeah. So
1: that's what I'm feeding right now. Stools the have been okay. Next level, high pro 30. It's very similar to Hyper Plus Victor. I will say the poop has been somewhat softer. Okay. Not leaving skid marks, no, not a big rainy. deal. A little bit more grainy. Okay. Um, Nothing super alarming. It's still dark. We didn't talk about this, yeah, but yeah. I do like dark poop because that um, a lot of times can reflect nutrient content. When I see a dog come in and it has really yellow or really yep, light poop. Which is
0: what I got everywhere around that
1: here. That means what? Corn, grains, those kinds of things. If you feed a dog really high, dense quality nutrients, so like liver and organ, which is obviously where the most nutrient-dense muscle meat is, yeah. or um, tissue is, is what I meant to say, they will poop black. Yeah. And it might be diarrhea because that <laughs> stuff is so high nutrient. Yeah. When you feed raw and you feed too much nutrient-dense tissue- It's black. It's black.
0: Well, and one thing I always noticed about my friends that fed, fed raw- uh, other than you, because you do so good at keeping it all tidy. But like, if you saw a turd somewhere, it looked like a coyote
1: to me. <laughs> Yes, it they absolutely do. You would never tell. It turns
0: them. into dust and blows away. And one thing I will say is that Victor has that same quality it to sure a degree. Does. Not the same degree as, as a raw yep. diet. or, But I mean, if I run across a turd to, from two weeks it's ago.
1: dusty. It's like.
0: dusty. It's turning. Yep. It's like blowing away. It looks. And
1: in, so is nature's logic. If you okay. feed nature's logic, it is. You could almost not tell a difference. And so obviously
0: there's a convenience factor to it, but it's telling you something else. Absolutely. You know, and I got turds in my yard right now from (laughs) Diamond Naturals, beef and rice that are three weeks old. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't judge me, but you can turn them up. They're still squishy. Yeah. Right. They're still, you know, there's, and they will still stink if you step on them and track them into the house and, and the Victor won't. So, you know, we talked a lot about dog poop and crap and turds and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, that's an indication of something.
1: It sure is. So, you know? If, you know, if your dog is pooping four and five times a day, these massive poops. Yes. That is an indication that what you're putting in them is coming right back out.
0: Yep. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Yep. You know? And it's not, and again, it's not to pick on anybody. Obviously, it, these are businesses we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and Victor did. They bought, you know, they they were bought by a big conglomerate. Mm-hmm. I think the dudes that started it did something really right mm-hmm. when they made that kibble because it's, uh, to me, it's awesome. I have not noticed. I did. I do remember rumblings when that was going on of yes. people like talking about the quality degrading mm-hmm. and stuff. I never noticed anything. I didn't either. Everything went fine. Yep. You know, and so for me personally, the substance... Is worth it. I've never had an issue that I needed to reach out. One thing I will say for Victor, from a customer service standpoint, and it didn't come to me directly, but it came through Hal at Midway mm-hmm. General, was he was like, "Nah, they gave me a rebate immediately on everything Good. that, that yeah. was sold in the in in this deal." And so, um, so I got six free bags of food. You know <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that we definitely did not. Eat. No,
0: no, well, no, I threw that. that to my next trip. So when I bought the diamond, they just threw. Six bags of diamond oh, at me, for cool. free. Yeah, oh, cool! So, nice. Yeah, you know, not that that I would have rather had the six free bags of Victor. Maybe right. I'll get them at some yep. point. But you know, th- cool. they just took care of that across yeah. the board. So voluntary recall, offered refund to mm-hmm. anybody that had throw out the food you got. Mm-hmm. We'll give you, your, we'll give your money back or redeem it for whatever else when you come back and buy it. I don't know how anybody else handled that, but that's why I love dealing with my guy. Yep. So like why I love dealing with Mike at Ugly Dog, because not, you know, not everybody in the world's going to have the access I have to Mike. But what I do know is like, he cares mm-hmm. that he's selling something good and that your service is good. Yep. And Hal's the same way. And when you can look somebody in the eye, when you can shake their hand, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot harder for them to bullshit you. Um, so just keep that in mind Mm -hmm. moving forward, guys. Anything else, Emily, before we jump off?
1: Um, if anyone would like to learn more, um, I would be happy to send them resources on, you know, how to learn more. Um, if you're interested in maybe doing a raw, if anyone would be interested in listening to a raw podcast or even a supplementing kibble slash raw podcast, let us know. Um, we'll do it. I'll do whatever. Okay. So I think that's it.
0: Thank you very much, guys. Uh, have a wonderful hunting season if you're down south, guys. Up north, sorry, we're getting your birds now. Um, I, I know you guys all. We were we were really jealous of you in, in weeks past. I hope you all get out and travel and find birds. Have fun. Love your dogs, and uh, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time.